I'm James Briarton. This week on the Carolina Weather Group, inside the Service Life Extension Program, that is keeping our aging weather network of radars up and running for years to come. Take a look at the schedule here. You can see places like Columbia, Greer, Charleston, Blacksburg, they've all been completed. Matter of fact, just today, I noticed that the Blacksburg radar near Roanoke, Virginia, came back online. The list continues on April 17th in Raleigh, where these repairs, which take two weeks at a time, will get underway, followed by Moorhead City and Wakefield as we start to make our way into June. Why we need these repairs, how much they cost, and what is next for the country's radar network, that's coming up in just moments here on the Carolina Weather Group. But first, this message from our sponsor. Tonight's episode of the Carolina Weather Group is sponsored by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. If you are looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year and cut back on expensive takeout and delivery, then HelloFresh is for you. You'll love how fast, easy, and affordable it is to whip up restaurant-quality meals right in your own kitchen. To try HelloFresh, just click the link below for a special limited-time discount plus free shipping. Try HelloFresh today. Welcome back to the Carolina Weather Group. Happy to have you this evening. For those who are watching us here on our streaming platforms and those who are listening on the uh, podcast platforms, we appreciate you joining us. Tonight, we have with us Jessica Schultz. She is the Deputy Director of Radar Operation, the Radar Operation Center in Norman, Oklahoma. And uh, Jessica and her group kind of oversee the Doppler radar network that is in place across the United States that help us keep you informed when severe weather or adverse weather is affecting your particular area. So Jessica's got a really important job to make sure that the radars are up and functioning and uh, helping us out in the forecasting world to keep you safe. So uh, Jessica, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, we are recording this on March the 1st, and we were talking a little bit before uh, we started recording here. You guys just had a busy time there, Norman, a couple of nights ago with uh, some severe weather and tornadoes. So how, how did you fare from, from that event? Well, thank you for having me and, and thanks for asking. So uh, yes, it affected uh, the east side of Norman. Uh, my office is actually on the north side of Norman, but the, the other National Weather Service agencies are located in the National Weather Center, which is on the south side of Norman. And so that tornado touched down, oh, about probably a mile or so east of them. So they just dodged that bullet. Um, we have a few staff members who had some minor damage in their area, but fortunately, none of our employees were directly affected. So that's some good news. Well, Jessica, we're glad to hear that everybody is fairly safe and, and not much damage uh, to you or your colleagues there from, from those nasty storms that moved through. So uh, kind of before we get into tonight's conversation about radars and the uh, Service Extension Life project that you all are doing uh, to help to keep the radar system up and going for years to come, how did you get interested in weather? I mean, how is, is there a storm or an interesting uh, story that kind of got you interested in weather? I mean, how did you get, I guess, bit by the weather bug? It's a lot of folks in our um, weather career field have a story or have an event that happened to them. And so for me, it was the May 3rd, 1999 tornado in the central Oklahoma area. Um, so I'm from Norman, born and raised and went to the University of Oklahoma. And so I very distinctly remember that day, uh, May 3rd, 99, and watching watching on TV. It was one of the first major tornado events that was covered live in our area. 
and uh, it it went about oh five or ten miles away from from my home, um, but of course went through areas of the city that I was very accustomed to to going through and and knowing folks that lived in that area. And so um, after that event, I decided, you know, I want to be uh, somebody who who has the knowledge and the information to warn people in the future of a storm like that, head it for them and and protect, you know, friends and family and and our my fellow community members. And so um, from that moment on, I I wanted to be a member of the of the weather service and and be a forecaster. And after college, I was fortunate enough to um, to to get a, a job at a couple of different uh, weather forecast offices, and then that kind of launched my career. That's that's really cool. Uh, one of those, I guess, memorable events that will always remember the the May third tornado there in Oklahoma City. I know, like you said, it was one of the live first live coverage and just yeah. the, and that, that was, was the uh, that that tornado prompted the first uh, tornado emergency issued by the Weather Service. Correct? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, if I recall from the videos, it's just a monster tornado, just very large. So, uh, well, talking about tornadoes and how we detect them uh, is by Doppler radar. And we know that Doppler radar is a very important tool for everyone in the weather industry, from broadcast to NWS to research uh, and education. Um, so tell us, let's start at the with the basics. Um, some of our listeners may know, some may not know. Um, why is radar important? What's what's the big deal about radar? Why do why is it so useful for us here in the weather uh, community? So radar is really the primary tool that forecasters use to identify the location and severity of the storm. So the radar sends out a signal, and then it it listens for that signal to come back. And the amount of time and the strength of the signal that is returned uh, determines what is out there, what type of storm is out there, how strong it is, the intensity, where it's located, uh, the wind speed and direction. And so all of that information is useful to meteorologists um, to to warn the public about what is coming their way. That's a big tool, most important um, tool that, you know, Frank, that you and I, we all use, Jessica, you guys use theirs. I mean, this is how we keep everyone alert um, to what's coming your way, you know, whether it's flash flooding or severe weather, tornadoes. Um, So we know radar is a very expensive tool. (laughs) And with all instrumentation, it always needs maintenance. And so there is a project that you all at the Radar Operations Center are are working on. It's the Radar Service Life Extension Program. so tell us about that and, and what are some of the key things you all are working on um, to help these radars continue to function for years to come? Sure. So I'm sure your listeners are probably aware that the the radar, it's sometimes called NEXTRAD. Uh, you might also hear it called the WSR-88D, which stands for Weather Surveillance Radar 1988 Doppler. <laughs> and the 1988 stands for the original uh design year. Um, but make no mistake, the the technology that's in there is is not from 1988 uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so uh, my organization, for those who don't know, we're kind of a we're a unique uh, one-stop shop of providing life life cycle support for the radars. And so throughout the the history of of the radars from the time that they were first deployed in the uh, early to mid 90s, my organization 
regularly, every year, is doing software updates and hardware updates to bring the latest technology into the radars. And some of the examples that your uh, listeners are probably um, familiar with is dual pole, for example. So that was a major upgrade in the 2013 timeframe that we deployed across the country. So a lot of the components are regularly refreshed and up and upgraded. However, there are a few major mechanical components that are original to the life of the system. And so the original lifespan of the radar was about 20 to 25 years. And of course, we've met and exceeded that at this point. So the Service Life Extension Program is a major investment. It's about $115 million uh, to repair and refurbish those major mechanical components. So uh, right now we are repairing and refurbishing the pedestal. And that's the major metal inside that, that soccer ball that folks are used to seeing with the radar. It's inside that dome. And it's the major mechanical component that allows the radar antenna to spin. And so you may have seen, folks may have seen pictures on Twitter or on their local National Weather Service's office's webpage. Sometimes they post pictures or time lapses of this event uh, where a crane lifts that white dome off, puts it on the ground, and then lifts and replaces that big metal component. And then of course replaces the, the, uh, the dome. And so that activity, of course, is going on in the Carolinas uh, early this year. And that will keep the radars viable until at least 2035, um, until the National Weather Service and NOAA can um, investigate and, and determine what the, the next uh, future radar holds for us. So uh, we've been working on the radars in the Carolinas for a while, and we've gotten—I think—we've gotten our money's worth out of them. The, the one at uh, at uh, GSP Airport, that one uh, failed uh, a few weeks before it was scheduled to be replaced. But uh, these radars were commissioned in the Carolinas during the the mid '90s. I think the the one, the first one was Columbia, and it was uh, commissioned in 1994. I remember it was it was online, but then it went down when uh, Tropical Storm Barrel was coming through and causing that big tornado outbreak. But uh, uh, digressing a little bit here. So what what's the schedule going forward? How many more radars do we have that need to be refurbished here in the Carolinas? And uh, what's the timetable for that? So Charleston, South Carolina, is actually going to start uh, next week, uh, around March 6th. And then as we go into April, uh, Raleigh will be on deck. And then in May, uh, Moorhead City will be the last one for that area of the country. And Jessica, what, the timing, I mean, obviously, for the Carolinas, we have to worry about tropical season. And, right. and I, I'm sure, I guess my question is, I'm sure you guys put, kind of looked at like, all right, let's see what months we can work on these where maybe there's not as much adverse weather going on. Is that is that a correct statement? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, we are, there are 159 radars across the country. And so we're trying to work this project in at all of those radars over a, a few years. And so, yes, absolutely. Our first our first point of business is to try to do the best we can to avoid the most active and most severe weather season. So certainly for the Carolinas, you know, hurricane season is a non-starter. Uh, you know, for the Plains, for example, peak severe weather season, April, May is a non-starter. Um, so, so yes, absolutely. We try to avoid that. Um, now, certainly, you know, <laughs> sometimes mother nature is a little unexpected, um, but, the good news is that the forecasters have surrounding coverage and have other tools that they can use uh, 
during that radar downtime. So basically, Jessica, you have when 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 um, side is down, you basically have the other radar operations um, with other weather offices. I guess they kind of like say, hey, you know, will you help us watch our area? Or does the weather office, let's say like GSP or Columbia, they have access to tap into the other surrounding radars around them. Is that is that a fair yes, statement to say? Absolutely. I'm trying, I, I'm hoping that's the question I was wanting to try to get across was, you know, even though the radar is down, that weather office or the weather the WFO is still functioning being able to forecast and do everything they need to do. Yes, absolutely. They have a direct connection. Each each WFO has a direct connection into the radar of their adjacent offices. And so, for example, GSP, um, even when their radar was down, they were able to, to easily access the data from the surrounding sites. And of course, you know, they have other tools at their disposal as well. Um, they have satellite data. They have something called MRMS, which stands for multi-radar, multi-sensor. And uh, that incorporates not just radar data and satellite data, but also uh, surface observations, models. Uh, so it really helps give the, the forecaster a, a more holistic view of what's going on in the atmosphere. Um, so th there are a number of tools they have available uh, when the radar is down. Yeah. So to kind of recap, I know that question was kind of weird me asking, like trying to get it out. But to recap, when the Weather Service office radar is down, the, you're your fellow meteorologists there at the National Weather Service, they're still working. They still have those tools to use from other stations or other offices surrounding them to help keep you informed. So for those folks who maybe listen to us in Charleston or Moorhead City, Raleigh, don't worry if, if your radar is down, your forecasters still have options that they can they can use radars that are, are surrounding them. So um, thank you. I'm sorry that Absolutely. was weird. worded weird. I was, worded weird, but we got the answer. So thank you for, for answering that. Just to add a little bit of color commentary there, a lot, a lot of people don't realize uh, the, the great capability that we have with our current uh, uh, weather satellites that uh, it was especially useful when uh, Hurricane Maria, I think it was, destroyed the, the radar in Puerto Rico, that they were able to uh, put uh, uh, the uh, GOES East satellite data to really good use, especially when uh, there were thunderstorms around. They were using the the uh, mesoscale sectors that update very frequently in 30 seconds or a minute and and were able to track storms pretty effectively just using that. Yeah, those are those are some awesome tools. And for those who will be watching our space coverage here, James Bryerson, who is and at was at NASA, he was able to to get some sneak peeks of some previous satellites that were that were sent up. So um Jessica, as always, the weather community is always working on what's next. So have any light you can shed on what may be coming next for radars and uh, any other projects that you guys will be working on in the coming years that that we'll be able to to know about? Sure. So on the next rad, we continue to uh, work with the National Severe Storms Laboratory to, to infuse new technology, uh, new algorithms, uh, into the radar. So, so we're always working to improve things. Um, for example, we're continually improving uh, the precipitation estimates. Now that we have dual pole, um, even though dual pole was, was deployed in 2013, which is 10 years ago now, um, there's been a lot it's of research done. Uh, the research community has done a lot of work uh, to, to help us improve those uh, precipitation estimates. So we continue to, to add value to the radar system to the next NEXRAD um, in that respect. And then looking on the horizon, uh, the National Severe Storms Laboratory, which is located here in Norman, 
they continue to investigate uh, the possibility of phased array as a, a, a fu the future of, of weather radar. Um, so their initial investigations have shown that there is promise for using that type of uh, system to, to detect the weather. Uh, so right now they're focused more on uh, better refining how that type of system would fit into National Weather Service operations in the future. And so um, that's where they're at right now. And, and NOAA will continue to explore those options and, and look at making decisions um, within this coming decade. Well, I did just want to follow up a little bit on on uh, the phased array thing. Just uh, I wanted to ask you if you could uh, tell us a little bit more about it uh, and how what phased array means and and how it's different than the radars that we're using now. Sure. So uh, the the radars that we use now um, are a mechanical spinning dish. So your your audience is probably familiar with the fact that this the radar scan uh, takes several minutes to to update you know they they might be hanging on the edge of the seat waiting for the next scan um, to see where that severe storm is uh, so the phased array what it brings to the table is it allows um, the the forecaster to essentially flash the atmosphere and so so right now with the next rad it may take five minutes for example to get a full volume scan uh, but with the phased array, um, you can get a full volume scan within 60 seconds. And so that rapid update is really the advantage with phased array. Um, so that that that's what the the researchers are continuing to to explore at this point. Right. Yeah. Today's radar, it doesn't just uh, spin around and around and, and sort of scan one level that it, it instead it it spins around scans, you know, one level with a certain tilt of the of the radar dish. And then it tilts up a little bit higher and scans it again. And it takes about, well, typically about five minutes to complete one of these volume scans, we call it, to, to scan uh, each tilt that's needed to to uh, get a good reading on on the storms that are present at the time. Well, that is some good information um, and, and the phase rate. So that I'm, I'm sure that that will continue to, to work on. And it's hard to believe when you said 2013 is when we had dual pole. I mean, it's hard to believe it's it's been 10 years since since that has come out and just the um, the upgrade and the help that it's really helped us out with, you know, with storms. I mean, we're able to detect debris now. We're able to detect hell yes. size. And it's just amazing that the work that, that these radars do and the continuation and you know, just how much is all put in to make sure that these things are continuing to work 24-7, 365 days a week, a year. Yes, so. absolutely. You know, the, the next rad has been um, really wor a world-class radar system. You know, our, our counterparts in, in other countries, Australia, for example, um, Korea, Japan, you know, they, they come to the U.S., they come to the National Weather Service to, to look at us as a model for setting up their own radar networks. So um, it's a tremendous partnership and, and your audience may not be aware, but it's actually a tri-agency partnership. So it's not just the National Weather Service, but it's the Air Force and the FAA all investing together, all supporting these radar systems to keep the American public safe, whether they're, you know, at home looking to see if a storm's going to hit their house or if they're flying in an airplane um, or, you know, tra training our service members. Um, so, so it's a very unique and successful partnership that we've, we've had for the last 25 to 30 years. And it definitely has saved lives. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it that, that radars are very valuable and worth every penny that we spend on them because um, as you guys experienced just a few days ago there in Norman, I mean, 
from my understanding, there was some injuries, but no deaths because we were able to see these tornadoes and, and people were able to get the warning they needed to seek shelter before, before it hit their homes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, that's um, that's one of the things that the folks that work at my organization, since we focus strictly on the radars day in, day out, you know, our, our folks, we have a lot of people that come here and make a career out of working on the radar program. Um, and it's it's very rewarding for our people because, you know, we get to go home at the end of the day. And when we see these major weather events, whether it's in our own backyard, um, like a few days ago, or if it's across the country, um, you know, we, we know that we're contributing to the mission of, of keeping our fellow Americans safe from the weather and, and helping our, our forecast community, whether that's the media or the weather service or the private sector, you know, hel- helping them um, accomplish their mission to keep Americans safe as well. Jessica, please give our thanks to, to your office and everyone who is, is working hard and to make sure that our radars are up and going all the time. And uh, we appreciate your time. Anything else you wanna add before we kind of uh, close our interview here? That's it, thank you. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. And, and before we leave, is there a social media or um, website or something that folks can keep up to date with, with what you guys are doing there in the Radar Operations Center? Sure, absolutely. So we are on Twitter at NextRadRock. That's N-E-X-R-A-D-R-O-C. And we're also on Facebook slash NextRadRock as well. So we would love you guys to follow us and check out what's happening. All right, we will do that. And we'll make sure to push that out on our social media uh, when we release this program. So uh, Jessica, thank you for your time. And thank you all for who are watching and listening tonight. We appreciate that. And we'll see you back here real soon.